Hello, and welcome to A Joyful Pause Podcast. My name is Nicole Taylor, and I'm the author of the book, A Joyful Pause. And today I have with me my dear friend, Katie Hong. Hi, Katie. Hi, Nicole. Katie, I'm going to do something different and let you introduce yourself. So tell the listeners um, who you are. Awesome. Thank you. And I first want to start out by thanking you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Um, As you know, because I keep sending you text messages after I listen to all your episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I love the conversations you have with the different people and... um, yeah, just I'm, I always walk away feeling so much more joy after listening to your session. So I'm just delighted to be here. And mm-hmm. as a way to introduce myself, um, I'm uh, calling in today from Seattle, Washington. So from the Pacific Northwest, the traditional lands of the Coastal Salish peoples. Um, and I think what I want the, your listeners, the listeners who are um, hearing this to know is that I am a mom. I have uh, twins who are now high school freshmen, so first year. (laughs) So two 15-year-old boy-girl twins. Um, I am married and have been with my partner for over three decades. And I start with that because my family is a really big part of my life and super important um, to who I am and what I value in life. I also want your listeners to know that for the past two decades plus, so for over 25 plus years, I've spent my professional career um, advancing what I call equitable systemic change. Um, and I've done that work from the, uh, from the place of government, from nonprofit, from philanthropy. Um, and I say that because systems, it turns out, are not broken. You know, when I was younger, I used to say that all the time, like, oh, the system's broken. Oh, the system's broken. (laughs) And then I came to realize that actually they're not broken, that oftentimes they're designed to get the results um, that they were intended to produce. So if you want different results, like you want to see more equitable outcomes, you know, in early learning or in K-12 school systems or even in our post-secondary institutions or or you want different equitable outcomes in anything, really, um, you have to redesign for that. And, and, the, and the process of redesigning for that um, you know, is, is work that goes beyond one organization or even one sector. So I feel really lucky that in my career, um, I have spent time in various levels of government, at the national level, at the state level, at the local level, and then in different foundations, um, really supporting uh, different actors, so different stakeholders, you know, like communities, young people, government, private funders, activists to come together to row in the same direction um, to try to re- to try to really um, transform systems um, to produce more equitable outcomes. And the last thing I want to say as a way of introduction is that that's what I've done for the past 25 plus years. In About two years ago, I decided to leave my day job at a foundation to start my own consulting and coaching business. 
um, as a sole proprietor. And the reason why I decided to do that is because I care deeply about systems transformation. In fact, I think that is the leverage point and that's what we need to do more of. And at the end of the day, systems are made up of people. <laughs> so I've also learned that if you don't support personal transformation, so how do we as individuals that are in different systems or in different institutions, how are we showing up? How are we using our power in a way to advance the things that we care about? That if you don't support that level of work, then I think you're leaving impact on the table. And I just, I wanted to come full circle to introduce that because I think it's very much tied with this power workshop that you and I are co-designing and will soon co-facilitate. Oh, I love that. So now everyone knows what a huge badass you are, um, <laughs> which I appreciate hearing that. I know that, but it's nice just to hear you, um, to hear you claim that as well. And um, yeah, I think, so just for folks who are listening, we are going to be hosting um, and facilitating a workshop in Phoenix, January 23rd through 25th mm -hmm. of 2024. So if you're listening to this after that, sorry you missed it, and there, <laughs> there might be another one. Um, but we're really excited to, um, along with our colleagues, um, Becky Margiata, Julie Caldwell, and our dear friend um, Susan Jane, who helped us with the design, um, mm -hmm. we're looking forward to facilitating this workshop. And I guess my first question, this is different in that I'll ask you a question and then I'll mm -hmm. answer it too. Yeah. Um, but why a workshop on power now? Mm, yeah, such a good question. You know, um, I have a couple of answers to that. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is because our society desperately needs it. <laughs> you know, when I think about our world um, and what we're doing to each other, what we're doing to the world, whether it's the warming of our planet or at an international level, the different conflicts and the wars that we're seeing and, um, and hearing about, and then in our own country, the growing divide, um, I just feel like our, our earth, our souls, our spirits are, are asking for it. It's asking for all of us to show up in a way that connects, builds, sustains, and not to limit, destroy, um, and to hurt. Um, and I really believe that if all of us, right, like if every single one of us could fully claim our power, to create the things that we want, then I think individual liberation could lead to collective liberation and that together we could do amazing things. I mean, all of the ills, all of the hurts, all of the harms are in so many ways human made. And so if we designed it that way, it also means that we could undesign it or to shift it in different ways. And so I, I think that's the first thing that I would say is that we desperately need it. The earth needs it. Our, my children need it. You know, our society needs it. Um, the second way that I wanna answer that question, why now, is that uh, this has been a topic that has really been 
something that I've been animated by most of my life. <laughs> and I myself am on a journey to really discover this question of how, what is my power and how do I more effectively and intentionally use it? Um, and so I just want to share a quick story that, you know, growing up, I, I was actually born in South Korea. My family immigrated when I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. I grew up thinking that I didn't have power that I felt like other people had power, but it wasn't for me. And in a lot of ways, it was true. I mean, it wasn't my decision to immigrate to this country. You know, um, I think it, my parents, right, were also influenced and affected by the Korean War, which was uh, a global conflict um, that tore up the peninsula of Korea into North and South, which then had long ramifications and consequences, which in part I think is what led my parents to decide to uproot everything they knew and move to a foreign country. And then once we got here, where they were able to get, find work, where we lived, where who gave them loans or not loans, like all of that were things um, that seemed to be made decisions made by other people and other people who didn't look like us, right? And so growing up, I really felt like I didn't have power. My parents didn't have power. People in my community didn't have power. And so as I grew older, um, I really sought out, like, how do I get it? How do I get some of that in order to, like, redirect or in order to have a different world? And so that started my search um, into or into like that really drove me in whether it was an educational pursuits going to you know an undergraduate and an elite university at University of Chicago to get my master's it led me to you know to find work in some of the more powerful institutions like the White House I worked in the White House for a couple years I worked for the governor of Washington State I ran a city agency I worked for the local mayor um, and in those roles, right? And then continuing, right? I just continued to seek, like, where could I have influence? Where could I have power? Um, and so I was lucky enough to, to land, right, in roles at the Gates Foundation or at the Rakes Foundation. And through these different roles, I thought that's how I could get power, was through these roles, through these institutions, and people gave that to me. It was not something that I had. And, um, and that is all true. Like there's part of that statement that is actually all true. Like I did have access to power and I did get to exercise power because of those roles and because of those institutions. And I think what I now believe about power is that that is all true. And I now believe that every person as a, as a way of birthright has access to power, which is really the way that we organize energy and like all sources of energy, it, our power cannot neither be created nor destroyed, but it can be transformed and it can be shifted. It can be used in skillful ways or it could be given away or kind of, you know, minimized. And so I think, again, it's a, it's a long way of answering your question of why now is that I feel like I've been on this lifelong journey for myself to really discover how could I best and most skillfully use my power and my influence to affect the things that I care about? And how can I support other people who share my vision 
and my yearning for a different desired future state to also fully claim their power. And so I think it's all coming together, like the world's needs and my own interest and my own realization of, I think this is my purpose. Like this is my role in the ecosystem is that I could help support people to fully claim their power. And that just feels like, ah, it just feels so juicy. Like it's like the window of opportunity has like opened where like the, the world's needs and my, my deep desire is coming together. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love the way that you're thinking about that. And I really appreciate you sharing um, that personal story of how you've kind of wrestled with power and the different mm. experiences you've had of it, some of mm-hmm. which sound, um, and we'll talk about this more later, but mm-hmm. some of which sound like coming from a place of power under, mm-hmm. some of which sound like coming from a place of, if I can just acclimate more, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of, of power over there. And then ultimately, like the question of what is power with. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And I think yeah. what I would add to the, to the answer of why now, for me, it comes from um, it comes from just the last couple of years and really seeing how power keeps changing hands mm-hmm. and situations where it's used so well and situations where it's so devastating. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm always coming from the perspective of awareness mm-hmm. and so when I think about power I think less I think less about trying to influence the way that someone uses it and mm. more about trying to get people to become aware mm. that they do use it mm-hmm. right like because I don't know what someone else is supposed to do mm. um and I don't know what their dharma is or what their reason for being in a body this time is or what their ray of contribution to the world is but I do think that one kind of stake I can have in the ground is this idea of um, awareness being such an important part of how we show up and so I think power is something that can often just be really unconscious Mm -hmm. and to the extent that we can support anyone in bringing more awareness to when they're coming from a place of power under Mm -hmm. and what might have driven that you know Mm -hmm. you mentioned family of origin Mm -hmm. you mentioned systems of oppression in the Mm -hmm. U.S. you Mm -hmm. mentioned what it's like to be to for your parents to have Mm -hmm. emigrated here Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. there's all of these different layers from our own personal experiences with power to what we learned in our family of origin to what we learned in the different um, groups and organizations that we're a part of to what we see happening at a systemic level. Um, and just to be able to bring some attention and intention there, I think is deeply of service. And when I think about my own life, I think Mm -hmm. about some early childhood trauma Mm -hmm. that I had that really left Mm me in a question of what, 
what is power? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when things happen when you're young mm-hmm. and you felt at the effect of power, it can kind of make you like, ooh, power bad. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And to unlearn that, you know, one part of my path of unlearning that was the path of um, yoga. You know, mm. this idea that as we, you know, live in a way that is um, balanced for us internally and also for how we interact with people. Mm. And as we're able to um, build more prana or life force, Mm. and as we're able to do these different postures that help us to feel um, strong and balanced, and as we learn how to turn our attention inward and not always Mm -hmm. have our senses flowing outward and ultimately meditate, the Mm -hmm. act of those steps is increasing your power. And so Mm -hmm. then as you start to feel the felt sense of that power Mm -hmm. or that Shakti, it begs the question, well, what do I do with it? I've had Mm -hmm. some good examples of what to do with it. I've had Mm -hmm. some bad examples of what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So now what what am I choosing? And that's what I'm excited about. We're not offering a yoga retreat. That's just my own way of thinking about it. (laughs) Um, But but to help people be in the question of what are the messages that I got yeah. And what did I take in that was yeah. not of service? And what do I yes. want to release? And then what do I choose? That's yeah. really the arc of what I'm excited about. The yeah. both a- acknowledging the things we took in that were not so helpful, releasing them, and then getting curious about well, what do we really want? Yeah. That feels like important work right now. Yeah, totally. I so appreciate that. And, you know, as you were talking, I just kept thinking of, yeah, like it, it in a way, it's like a strategy question, right? Like it's like, you know, I, I appreciated you saying that you don't always assume that you know what people's, what people are intending. And so really, totally, it's, it's a question of what is it that we most want and how are we acting in ways um, that's supporting us, like, and, and really like both consciously and unconsciously. Um, so I really, yeah, that, that totally resonates with me. And, and I think you're right, like, um, that part of the reason why I'm so excited to have this workshop is that even though people talk a lot about power, I don't feel like there's very many spaces where we really, really talk about it you know what I mean like it's almost like people talk about it as like oh so and so like it's um it's very binary it's not nuanced it's not complex and um and so I think to spend three days like what we're planning to really unpack what is our own personal story with power is it something that we thought was bad or something that we felt like we didn't have or maybe we we had different experiences based on our different identities and our power stories have shifted. So what is that? And and then to your point, what have we taken in and how's that working for us or how is it not? Yeah. Yeah. That part. And also to bring it back to what you were talking about before in terms of like designing systems. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, I'm a big lover of theory, you awareness based mm-hmm. systems change. And mm-hmm. one of the main tenants is that, We've got to stop downloading, which is just kind of going Mm. around with our habitual thought and really begin to observe with fresh eyes. And when I Mm. think about changing systems, I think about, well, if we don't know what we're up to, then we're just enacting whatever 
the system is already yes doing mm-hmm. and so we do start with the intrapersonal we do start with the mm-hmm. individual but never mm-hmm. from a place of like and that's where it ends yes but just from a place of like if we don't bring some awareness to what we're choosing then we will 100% just keep the status quo going as opposed yes. to once we bring that attention to what we're doing then that will shift how we relate to other people that will shift how we show up on teams and in groups Mm. and in organizations and then that will change ultimately that can help to shift um to shift the system but tell me Mm -hmm. more about how how you see this kind of intrapersonal interpersonal institutional and then systemic yeah i mean i just love the way you just said all of that like that really the change starts first with ourselves and it's really a reflection of how are we using our the directed use of energy are we using Mm -hmm. it to dominate to control to limit or are we use are we giving it away are we subsuming like are we appeasing right like are we um yeah right? Like giving it to somebody else or, or because we ourselves feel like we don't even have it, you know, or are we using it to co-create, to build, to make something stronger, to aggregate, you know? And I think that could happen at the self level. I think it happens at the interpersonal level, like with, with other people. I think it could happen in institutions. And then at the systems level, it's really what are you doing to either right? Like to support the status quo or to question some of what, um, what people understand to be true. Um, so to really question it or to disrupt it. And so, um, and, and I think it's not like, I know you and I have been talking about this, that it's not always an either or it's not like power over is always bad or power under is always bad. And then power with is always like the golden situation. Like, I don't think that's Mm -hmm. true. I think it really depends on strategy, right? Like, and what is it that you want? So, you know, I mentioned that I'm a mom, you know, so sometimes I feel like, yeah, there are times where I I exert my power over my children in terms of, you know, the use of their phones, <laughs> what mm-hmm. social media they could be on, you know, at, and at what age or when their bedtime is. And that, right, is like um, done because of my value and because of my belief that I want to support them to have a, a more... Um, you know, like as they mature to have a a healthier relationship with social media, right? And with phones, Um, you know, but, but sometimes like if, if I, um, you know, and especially in situations where I find myself feeling fear or I'm wanting, like I'm in a new environment, I want uh, to belong or I want to seek approval. Like I, one thing that I've noticed with myself is, you know, my condition tendency is to be power under. So meaning like, you know, I'm, I'm always scanning for an environment, trying to figure out like, oh, what's the dominant norm here? And how do I fit in? You know, who's the person who has institutional power? And what are their needs? And how could I anticipate that faster? How could I, you know, uh, be more of a perfectionist <laughs> and kind of drive towards outcomes that I feel like people are are, um, are anticipating or wanting from me without paying enough attention to what I may want or what I may need. That's my natural 
not my natural. That's my conditioned tendencies that has been conditioned by my family of origin, by my, you know, in I think by my um, in part because of my immigrant experience, because uh, of the construction of what it means to be Asian in this country. Like there's so many factors that have shaped that kind of conditioned tendency. And sometimes if I don't pay attention to it, especially when I'm stressed or scared or, you know, or um, under duress, I could immediately act in ways that's not aligned to what I want to what all of myself wants. And so, um, you know, and I think that how I show up with myself will absolutely then, right, like influence how I show up in relationships and it will absolutely influence how I can exert my power at an institutional level. And so I do think that all of those things are related. Oh, and by the way, right, like those things have a, it's like a, it's like a cycle. It's like if we don't use our power to disrupt, you know, power shifts at the institutional level and at the systems level, then systems systematically certain people are being harmed all the time. And so it just kind of repeats the cycle, you know? And so I think it is this idea that we are shaped by things outside of ourselves. And so the more that we could influence things outside of ourselves to use power in a way to create, to support, to, you know, to help people thrive, um, it will just, that whole recursive circle will just get healthier and healthier. Yeah, I love that. And I also feel like you're pointing to something we've talked about on the team in terms of like power just is and Mm -hmm. what we do with it has the effect that is life-giving and life-affirming and generative or something that is constricting and life-denying and oppressive, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. or, or, or there's a million choices within there. But just thinking about this piece of um, the conditioned tendency and your willingness and what we're inviting people into is different processes to look at those conditioned tendencies mm-hmm. and to say like oh okay this is this is what I inherited via mm-hmm. this this and that or this is what was modeled or this is what I thought was cool or this is mm-hmm. what I did because it felt good and it worked two times you know like mm-hmm. to really unpack that conditioning and then look at it and yeah. say mm, is this yeah. is this aligned with what I want to bring into the world is this aligned with a world that feels co-generative and collaborative and balanced you know like when I think about power over power under and power with I think of nature we see Mm. all of those in nature and there might be some species that tend to be more under and some species Mm. that tend to be more over and some Mm -hmm. that are more collaborative but nature as a whole um, moves toward balance, Mm -hmm. moves toward balance in the ecosystem. So Mm -hmm. if we can do our part and look at what, Ray, we're bringing into the ecosystem, Mm -hmm. then we have half a chance of that future that we want to bring forward. Yeah. And the intentionality. good for everyone. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's the intentionality of that. I think mm-hmm. that's really important that, yeah, like that, you know, sometimes you may choose a power under position in an ecosystem in order to seek out that balance, but that that's a choice and it's not an automatic reaction, something that you do because you're feeling scared or you're feeling like you, that's what you need to do in order to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That mm-hmm. choosing. We always want to be bringing people back into choice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I started thinking a lot about this. I, I, I mentioned, you know, in one of our planning sessions, you know, it's something that I learned from Rev Angel. So Rev Angel Kyoto Williams, who you and I both um, know through our um, our participation in the Embodied Social Justice Certification Program. And, you know, and she... Um, I remember her talking about leadership, like for her, what leadership is. And, you know, and she offered the definition that leadership is the skillful and intentional use of our power. It's a skillful and intentional use of our power to advance the things we most care about. And, um, and then she went on to say, um, when we're not skillful, <laughs> when we're not skillful or not, or not intentional, like when we're unintentional, it's um, what she finds is that it's when our minds are organized around control. Like how do we, how do we um, wield control? Our hearts are occupied with uh, seeking approval. What is it that I need to do to seek approval? And our bodies are occupied with seeking safety. Like, how can I get safety? And so it was her invitation really in listening to her um, during this one session a couple years ago where she asked the question of what do you do? Like, what do you do to wield control? What do you do to seek approval? How do you seek safety? Like, what's your conditioned automatic tendency in order to do those things that even gave me the language and the framework for thinking about like, huh, what do I do? And I realize, you know, that um, when I'm trying to seek control, I can often go into the power over. Like I try to control, I try to dominate, I try to, you know, say this is right, this is wrong. I could quickly go into the either or thinking. You know, or if I want approval or if I'm seeking safety, I could, again, immediately and automatically go into the power under. And that language really gave me or that framework really gave me a better understanding of, you know, oh, what do I do? Okay, so when I get scared, especially at work, I could micromanage or I could like really try to get control. Right. Okay, this is what I do. Huh. I must be doing that because I'm trying to, I'm scared or I'm trying to seek control. And then to ask then the follow-up questions that you and I've been talking about, how's that working? Like, how's that helping? How's that hurting? And is that actually aligned to what I most want? So if what I most want is to, you know, to be in an environment where I'm inviting in, regardless of my role, inviting in the active and equitable participation by everyone on my team, how is me wielding control in that moment helping with that? You know, it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. So like, so it really, it like invite it, like it was a really powerful way of thinking about, huh, am I skillful in using my power? 
And then realizing in that moment of like the micro, you know, the micromanagement or the control, like, no, that's not skillful at all. What could I use? How could I transfer or how could I reshape my relationship to power so that it is? And in that scenario, it really is like, how could I co-create? How could I say what I need? And how could I invite other people to say what they need? And then together, how might we co-create even something better than, that both of us don't even anticipate? Mm. Mm, I love that. I love how um, it sounds like just hearing that frame really allowed you to kind of shine a light on those tendencies. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And go go ahead. ahead. Well, I, so then the other thing that I want to offer is, you know, just then when she said, well, those are the ineffective ways. And she also offered, well, what, what might you be organized around or what might, what might you be committed to in order to more skillfully, more intentionally use your power? And so she offered the frame that our mind, right, would be um, really committed to being in wisdom, to really leaning in on our wisdom, our hearts, right, would be organized around compassion and especially self-compassion. And our body, our body would rest in confidence, in just the confidence that everything that, and I think like by that, like how would I take away the confidence that my safety, my belonging, like that that's something that I could give myself, that, that ultimately belonging is about belonging to me, that safety is, is me giving myself a sense of safety. And that with that confidence, like once I have that confidence, I could use my power more intentionally um, to really like, then it feels clean, you know? It feels like clean. Like mm-hmm. I could use my directed energy to really then influence um, or to try to shift or change whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're also um, pointing to some of the things that come up when we're experiencing activation, like fear mm-hmm. or, um, or anger or um, overwhelm, just other emotions that might mm-hmm. we experience as activation. And it's also making me think about, in addition to this framework, part of what we'll be playing with together um, at the Power Workshop are things like um, our colleague, Julie Caldwell mm-hmm. came up with um, an inner map where mm-hmm. you can look at whether you're in um, reactive brain or whether you're in creative brain. Reactive mm-hmm. brain being more of a constricted state, as I understand it, and creative brain being more of a state where you can create. So it's going to be more of an expanded state. And not that either is right or wrong, again, yes. but just that if we want to be moving toward power with and if we want to be making choices about how we engage with power that will come from a state of being in that creative part of our brain yes. not the not the reactive part yeah so that's another frame that we're going to use um, when we're together is both um, an understanding or a handshake uh, with that model but then mm-hmm. also some tools that we can do when we do find ourselves mm-hmm. in reactive brain mm-hmm. because life happens and to mm-hmm. your point you know when everything's balanced and everything's easy and everything's good, 
it's easy to come from your highest self, your most yes. generative self, right? But yes. when we're under stress, when we're triggered, when we're feeling a sense of reactivity, then we can tend to slip into more of those conditioned tendencies. Mm-hmm. So we'll also do some work with um, a process that she created called the SEW process, which mm-hmm. is about tuning into sensations and emotions, getting current with that before proceeding with the question of what do we really want as mm-hmm. it relates to power in this situation. Yeah. So. We're yeah. going to be covering this from a number of different levels, both um, the things that you've shared, some of the things that Julie has created, our own kind of tools that we all use um, as coaches and as consultants. And definitely also, like, we want to make sure there's an embodiment piece to this mm-hmm. as well, because power is not just cognitive it's very Mm -hmm. visceral Mm -hmm. you know and the body has so much wisdom for us in terms of uh, being able to catch when we're in those conditioned tendencies there's usually a sensation that's associated with that that could be sensations in the body that could be breath patterns yeah and so really we want to be looking at this from all forms of intelligence both from that inner knowing both from the ability to use our intellect but also to draw on the body's wisdom as part of this conversation as well yeah yeah I love that and I'm yeah I'm that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be collaborating with you with Julie and with Becky um because there's so much yeah it just I mean I feel like this workshop is is gonna be like the whole package you know it's gonna help us with like awareness and analysis but also like as you said what are the tools what are the practices and um because a lot of what we're talking about is actually not rational at all like if I you know if I like my own discovery of power and how how I use power I can give away power my goodness if it was just a matter of knowing in my mind like I would have just figured mm-hmm. this out a long time ago, you know, but it turns yeah. out that it's actually also living in our body. And it's um, and I think we carry in our body, not just kind of what we've experienced, but, you know, the experiences and traumas of, you know, our parents and our our parents, parents. And, you know, so there's just so much um, in our bodies that's both, I think, it's it's wisdom right it's like it's telling us what we need it's showing us the way and there are um i think really powerful tools to help people shift out of it because it's so much more than just knowing i think knowing is like an important part awareness is an important part but then the question is okay now what and how do you do that and um and the reason why i'm so excited about us doing this together is because transformation doesn't happen alone you know it happens in relationship like we could mm. we could help our each other learn gain awareness I think sometimes I feel like the times when I've been more so moved by people's learning it then inspires me to think about my own life and how do I like applying it to what I've been through um, and then really just I think the the loving container and the nourishing container that we are committed to co-designing and co-facilitating, you know, I think something happens like when there is a ray of love and 
sunlight and attention, like loving attention on these things. Um, they just have a way, our body just has a way of revealing and, um, and really blossoming. And that's what I'm picturing for our week together is, um, is our ability to help support um, people who want to come and explore these issues, really do it in a container of love and sunlight and attention so that things will reveal like things that you may not even be aware of might be revealed. And that feels really juicy. Yes, yes. And I love what you're saying about the container of love and sunlight and care. And also it's deep so that people like we're, we're ready to hold whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of this Mm -hmm. is intergenerational. A Mm -hmm. lot of this is both ways of being that have not been of service but also ways of being that have like we're Mm -hmm. here because Mm -hmm. our ancestors were able to survive Mm -hmm. so there is an inbuilt resilience in each of us Mm -hmm. and to take a look at what those characteristics were and to say Mm -hmm. okay they did that to survive Mm -hmm. but do I choose that for what I'm creating Mm -hmm you might be stepping into something very different. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm stoked about too, is just um, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yes. And it's everyone who's come before us. And just to really acknowledge that and celebrate that mm-hmm. and then step back into choosing. That mm-hmm. feels like huge. And I love what you're saying about um, transformation happening in community. Mm-hmm. I think as someone who spends a lot of time kind of doing one-on-one work with people Mm -hmm. or even doing my own work, Mm -hmm. there's something to, you know, as soon as you get into like groups of three, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's just something that shifts and that, um, that healing gets multiplied yes and that awareness gets multiplied because we're not just coming from our own perspective or one other's one other person's perspective but we're really able to hear a variety of ways that people have shown up and that in and of itself both gives us I think my experience of that is that it bubbles up compassion, you know, mm. because we don't know someone else's story until we hear it and now mm-hmm. we know it. So we can mm-hmm. have more compassion for them. And mm-hmm. then we may also see elements of ourselves and their story, which gives yes. us more compassion for us. Yes. And so that's part of that loving container too, of just how, how can we hold these old narratives with mm-hmm. compassion such mm-hmm. that we can create and choose new narratives yes. together. Yeah, yeah. And then as you, we choose, how can we continue to be of support to each other? Like yeah. I know that's, I mean, that's honestly something that I've so appreciated about our relationship and our friendship over the many years is just, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to be able to reveal so authentically and then to support each other through that, mm-hmm. you know, with, with curiosity and with a lot of support. Um, yeah. And that's something that I just, yeah, so I so appreciate. So I'm, I'm excited to expand that to others and to have others come and play with us. So Me people too. should sign up. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, you can find more information about this workshop a number of places on my website, ajoyfulpause.com. You can find it on uh, billionsinstitute.com. You can find it on Katie's. Um, Katie, how do they find you? Oh, so they can, I have on LinkedIn. Um, they could just search Katie Hong, K-A-T-I-E-H-O-N-G. Um, or my, my email address is katiehong at gmail.com and people could email me. Perfect, perfect. So I want to end on um, a note and I forgot to put this mm-hmm. in the email with a question. So sorry for springing it on you. No um, and I always end with um, what's your vision for our collective liberation? Hmm. You can take some breath if you want, since I didn't give it to you ahead of time. Yeah, no, I love this question. I love this question. Um, my vision for our collective liberation, I just had this, like, you know, this image of people holding hands, moving collectively together um, in love and in connection and in freedom, you know, that we're all that we're all free. And by that, I mean um, that we're aware of the ways that we have injected or we have taken in messages, um, you know, uh, assumptions, beliefs that we didn't make ourselves. It was inherited and we are now able to wake up (laughs) and um, more consciously choose whether that's something I want to continue to carry on and pass on through the people around me, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like the idea of the seven generations, like Mm -hmm. I'm, right, like what's the thing that I inherited and what's the thing that I'm gonna pass on? And we have choice in that. We have freedom in that. We have agency in that. And Mm -hmm. I think that individuals, as we come to recognize that, if we help and support others, right, in that kind of liberation, we stand with them, we, we support each other in that, then I think collectively we could do amazing things and that the world, um, could be, I mean, it just, it could be so exciting for what is possible for my children and then my children's children and then their children's children's children. Like, it, like mm-hmm. I just think that human beings are so miraculous. Like we've done things that are just mind blowing and we could use mm-hmm. all of that to just continue to do like mind blowing amazing things and not continue on this path to destruction. So that's what I think of, that's my vision. Mm. Mm-hmm. may it be so thank you mm-hmm. katie thank you nicole thank you so much for doing this and for this conversation and i'm just so so grateful to you and to uh, you have so many genius and um so much wisdom so much wisdom and i'm just so excited to be in this conversation with you today and to play with you and to co-create with you in january Yes, I cannot wait. So 
All right. Yay. Thank you for the conversation, Katie. I love seeing your genius on full display. And listeners, thanks for taking the time and be well. Bye. Bye.